So Acts 15, this morning I entitled the message, When Christians Disagree. Some of you guys are like, finally, pastor, been waiting for you to preach into this because it happens, doesn't it? And it happens often. If you're on Facebook, it happens too often. So <laughs> Acts 15 is a great passage of scripture to speak into this. So Father, we want to ask this morning, as we open your word, we know it's a gift. We know you've told us to let your word richly dwell in us who believe that effectively works in those who believe. Father, that it'll even increase our faith. We're thankful for your word, that it is alive. We thank you that you've asked us, Lord, to study it, to rightly divide it. And we pray that you'd help us this morning. And give us understanding that we grow in grace, that we grow in the knowledge of who you are, and allow it to really transform us, change our lives, penetrate our hearts, God. Lord, help us to renew our minds. As I read this morning in Ephesians, Lord, you told us to do that in order to be able to put off the old life old man and walk in the newness of life and we thank you father for anyone that's in you lord we're new creations god you've given us a fresh start a new life and that's what we want to sow to because we know that you came to give life and life abundantly god you've set us free we want to stand firm in that freedom and we want to walk in that freedom we pray this morning that you'd help us to do that we ask in your name jesus amen, amen. So on April 26, 1920, we had what has come to be known as the Great Debate. The topic was astronomy. The participants were two scientists. We had Shapley and Curtis. And the Great Debate was the size of the universe. You see, Shapley argued that the Milky Way was all, the entirety of what the universe was. Where Curtis, uh, he said that there are actually separate galaxies. Now, let's go back even further to the first century. The topic, theology. The participants, those who held to the gospel of works versus those who held to the gospel of faith. The great debate, solified. Really, faith alone? Is that it? Is that how a person truly is saved? Now, Acts 15 this morning, the topic when Christians disagree, the participants, well, we want to make application, us, today. You guys know that the word is for us today? It's still relevant I wish people would open up this book that's so old and has nothing for us. Because let me tell you what, it is so relevant. God does not change. He is alive. He is well. He's the creator. Where is creation? He's wired us. He knows exactly what we need to know. And he shared that with us. And it's timeless. So we can apply the word today. And the great debate is how do we handle the differences in the essentials versus the non-essentials. So, I want you guys to catch the criticism. Let's look at verse 1 of Acts 15. And certain men came down from Judea 
and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them, that they should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversation of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So the criticism, guys, is from unauthorized, legalistic believers from the mother church. And I'll back that up later in verse 24. But again, let's look at verse 5 together. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So their teaching was a denial of salvation by grace through faith. That's the issue. And it's still the issue today, isn't it? You look at every religion in the world. Jesus says there's one way, right? I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. It is through him. He has done the work. It is very clear. Every other religion, even religion sects within Christianity teach no, you're getting to heaven because you're a good person. You're good works. Well, again, do we care what any denomination, any church, any person says? No. We should care about what? What does God think on the matter? Because when all is said and done, he's the one we answer to. So, <coughs> let's look at chapter 10 together. I'm going to grab my water bottle. Verse 43. Acts 10.43 brings a little bit of clarity to this. It says, To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Pretty clear. Whoever. I'm a whoever. Are you a Whoever. I sure hope not. So if you're not, I would love to talk to you after service. Share why you should be. If you don't know Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 by heart, you need to turn there right now in your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And for you guys who do have that memorized, you can turn there too and put another star or heart or lightning bolts, whatever, like boom! <laughs> This is it. And I love, honestly, uh, the time I got to spend up in the jail dealing with a lot of different Christians from different backgrounds or even Muslims, whoever I talked to, I think I shared this passage of Scripture more than any other <laughs> in the entire time there because this brings it all down to what matters. Okay, You're worried about your standing before God. 
Okay? You're worried about what's going to happen when you meet your maker. Well, what does the Bible say you need to do? What does it say? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. Okay? It's all of God. And who gets the glory then? God. Do you guys know that he wants the glory? Doesn't he deserve the glory? He's definitely worthy. So if you find yourself talking about how great you are and all the great things you do, if you're a glory hound, repent. Anything good that we do. You guys understand it's him anyways. Amen. That's why I'm excited about our anniversary party in the end of August. We're celebrating 10 years as a church. And what we're going to do that morning, we're going to keep things so simple. We're just going to get together. We're going to bring a sacrifice of praise. We're going to worship our King. And we're just going to share about what He has done over the last 10 years. And all glory to Him. We're just going to keep it simple. And then we're going to have a potluck. Woohoo! So I hope you guys can make it. So, um, you guys, I hope you have that highlighted in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. That's what it's all about. We are saved by grace through faith. That's what the scriptures teach. It's very clear. So they said, sure, they can be saved, these Pharisees, but what were the conditions? That's the thing. What are the conditions to their salvation? On what grounds were these Gentiles to be saved? Well, again, verse 5 back in Acts 15, these Pharisees, you guys need to know that they are brothers in the Lord. They are believers themselves. So when sincere Christians disagree, they must, first of all, get together. Get together. That's one thing I see Christians not willing to do. We don't agree, therefore we can no longer fellowship together. No, we need to get together. We need to see what God is doing in the church. And then secondly, we need to find out what the word of God has to say about it. What does God say? Great, you've read so-and-so and you've gone to this school. You've done seminary here. Your church believes this. What does God say? Okay, And that's one thing. I'm very open. If a brother comes to me and says, Hey, <laughs> I visited Freedom or I've been listening to your teachings online and I got some concerns, bro. <laughs> Can we talk? Absolutely. Okay. Let's open the scriptures together. Let's dialogue. Let's talk about this. You know, because I know one thing about myself. I don't have it all together. <laughs> but we know the one who does. And it's both parties humble enough to come together and actually talk about it. Because we're told if we're filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, we will be speaking one to another. But that's one thing we don't see a whole lot of. Because let me tell you what, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we're humble enough to say, hey, I'm willing to be open, I'm willing to discuss, I'm willing to seek the scriptures, to study this out more, I'm willing to change my mind on this subject, if God makes that clear in scripture, then absolutely there will be that talking. But what I see in the church, there's so much pride. Forget it. No conversation about that. And it's actually hurting the church. Because there is a lot of warnings in Scripture about false teaching. 
and we are living in the last days. We are at freedom. We teach the whole of Scripture. Okay, More than a third of the Bible is prophecy. And the church as a whole is very clueless <laughs> about the time. The Bible speaks about today more than any other time in history. Even more than when Jesus walked the shores of Galilee. Do you guys understand? The Bible talks so much about right now and what's happening. And the church is clueless because they're not willing to read. And the thing that's really hard is we're not willing to talk with one another to share what we know. Oh, you believe Jesus is coming back. You believe in the rapture. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Bummer, because <laughs> I study the word. There's so much that the Bible speaks about today. Let's sit down and talk, you know? And then people who actually humble themselves, wow, I've never read that before. Is that really what it says? Real? Oh my God, it's right there. Yeah. Just open the word. Let's read. Let's talk. Let's study. Anyways, it's good to talk to one another. Would you guys agree? Amen. And just think if that happened, what would happen? What would happen? I think we'd see a lot of churches leave denominationalism. Okay? We're done holding on to what we've held to forever and in our pride we're never going to let go of it because we've humbled ourselves to actually, okay, God, this is what you said. Some things need to change. And that's one thing I hope we're willing to do, guys. Okay? We've been around 10 years. Great. The Lord tarries if we're around 20, 30, 40 years. I hope we don't get so entrenched. And this is the way we've always done it this is you know man as the lord reveals and he's speaking to his church through his word we need to submit to that okay lord this is what you're saying even though we've always done it this way <laughs> you've told us to do it this way let's submit unto him for his glory amen so the debate let's look at the debate here verse six now the apostles and the elders came together to consider the matter and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose men among us, that by the mouth of the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us, and, make, and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of your disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So the debate here of Peter reasons and explains solified or faith alone and sola gratia, or grace alone. So faith alone and grace alone. That's what matters. Okay? And then verse 9, this little phrase here, purifying them by faith. And if you've studied the scriptures, if you've read the letters that Paul wrote, we are justified by faith. We live by faith. We have our standing by faith. We walk by faith. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. And even John the Apostle said, by faith we are victorious over the world. It is a faith thing. 
And then verse 11, now how he turns the tables here. Look at verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So it would be like me giving an invitation for salvation this morning and said, folks, you have the privilege today, right now, to get saved. Just like drunkards, adulterers, harlots, liars, cheats. Let's kind of get what's going on here. Anyways, verse 12, Then all the multitude kept silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. So there's testimony being given by Barnabas and Paul. They told what God was doing among the Gentiles. Don't you guys love those stories? I love when we have a missions trip or we have missionaries come in and they share stories about what God's been up to. I love when you guys get up and share testimony of what God doing in your own life right now, right here with your neighbors. God's up to stuff. So let's look at the judgment, verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first, now again, Peter, Simon, right? He declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as is written, after this I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. So, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Now, known, okay, that's a reference from Amos. If you haven't read Amos, okay, you guys heard me say before, hey, the Bible talks more about today than any other time in history, okay? Amos speaks into a lot of crazy things that are happening right now in Israel's history that never has happened before, he spoke into, the, but anyways, it's Amos chapter 9, 11, and 12 that was just referenced there. Now look at verse 18 with me. Known to God from in eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So the judgment of James using the word of God. Okay, he's using the word of God. He references Amos here. And then in verse 20, why these things? Every time I read this, okay, I have to remind myself, why these things? But that we write to them to abstain from what? things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Okay, Trippy kind of list, isn't it? (laughs) Why these things? Why these different categories brought out? Well, it should uh, should be taken in the sense of Revelation chapter 2. If you want to jump to the last book of the Bible, chapter 2, look at verse 14. You guys know that Jesus wrote seven letters, right? (laughs) To the seven churches. A lot of people forget about these seven letters, but they're there. They're for us today. Every single one of them. He who has ears to hear, 
let him hear what the Spirit says to the church is. So we got to connect it here. What's going to be going on? Well, we're told in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14, Jesus speaking here, I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And let me tell you what, there are a whole lot of stumbling blocks in religion today. So many things out there that are supposed to be good, but they actually keep you from knowing the living God. And here's a few that are listed. These stumbling blocks before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. So it was usual practice among the Gentiles to actually use idols' temples for banquets or for celebrations. So Paul condemned that practice of Christians participating in these things. You guys can read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 later. He lays a whole thing out all about that. We as believers are to abstain from these things. Not for salvation, but because God loves us. He's not trying to be a party pooper. <laughs> God is wanting us to have life. And there are things that God asks us to do because he loves us. He wants to protect us. Just like I do with Uriah, Phineas, and Shalom, there are things that I see that don't go there. <laughs> don't do that. Be careful. I don't want to see you get hurt. But why, Dad? I think we do the same thing, don't we? <laughs> why, Dad? This is so fun. <laughs> There's just things that our Heavenly Father, He's much wiser than we are. So, this was important for the Gentiles to keep themselves from these and not be a stumbling block to the Jews. That was the counsel that was given. That was the judgment that was made. And there are things, I'll talk about that in a minute, that we should abstain from for our brothers and sisters out of love. Now, let's talk about the decision that was made here. It's ratified in verse 22, back to Acts 15. We see it ratified in uh, verses 22 to 29. It says, Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named uh, Barzabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they wrote a letter, or this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words on settling your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from the things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And if you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. So the decision is ratified by the apostles and by the elders. 
So in the decision, there was no compromise doctrinally, but there was consideration practically. So in this decree, the church asked the Gentiles not to deliberately offend the Jews. Don't do that. So this is a basic principle of love, isn't it? That's explained in Romans chapters 14 and 15. In 1 Corinthians chapters 8, 9, and 10. Right? Don't judge your brother. Don't eat, drink anything that may cause them to stumble. Become all things to all men. Might save some. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Okay? Not all things are helpful. So there's things just that we just do as believers, as Christians, out of love. You guys know that we're free in Christ. He has set us free. But he's also asked us to walk in the newness of life. You guys know I love youth ministry. Uh, when I was 25, 26, I uh, had a bachelor pad. Um, maybe it was 24. Yeah, I think I might have been 24, 25. When did I get married? 15 years ago? Yeah, 24. Uh, <laughs> 24, lived with three other roommates that were brothers in the Lord, and we all were doing junior high ministry uh, at the church that we were fellowshipping at. And Monday nights was the night to be at our place. There were times we had over 80 teenagers hanging out at our house. It was a blast. And I remember I didn't know the word that well, Okay, some of you guys know my testimony. I had just started reading the Bible. <laughs> I was able to read for the first time in my life. And we were just teaching the kids through the book of Proverbs. And God was doing a lot through that season of time. And the youth pastor at the church, we, we, were, we were living in a condo over by uh, Fox Valley um, Technical College. And over there, there's a bar. And our youth pastor loved playing volleyball. And this bar had tons of volleyball courts. And he was in a league, and he was there with a heart to want to share with people, to love on people, to share the Lord with people, and to have some fun playing volleyball. Well, Monday nights, right when study was starting in our house, he was walking into the bar <laughs> that's a few blocks from our place to play some volleyball, and all the kids in the youth group, hey, we saw a pastor walking into the bar what's he doing <laughs> you know it's one of those things i'm like hey i know him he's just playing volleyball but all these young ones this is what they were thinking and the ones that didn't mention anything what were they thinking and right then i wasn't in any role of pastoral ministry i was just loving hanging out with brothers and sisters loving the lord loving his word but the lord gave me a conviction back then just never even give the appearance yeah, you have liberties, you have freedoms. Just don't even go there because you don't want to give that appearance. You know, and the same thing's true. I got a good friend. I had somebody ask me at the pantry nine, ten months ago, hey, I saw brother so-and-so and he was walking into a bar downtown. Well, I know what brother so-and-so was doing downtown, walking into a bar. He was meeting with somebody that asked me to pray about that meeting because he was going to share the gospel. <laughs> you know? But it's one of those things, guys, we can give off the appearance <laughs> of evil even though we're you have freedom in christ there are things we're called to live contrary to the world and there are things that we just do and choose out of love guys 
just because we love and we don't want to stumble, especially a younger brother or sister in Christ. So there's things that we need to do, guys, out of love. And that's what I love about the scriptures, okay? Hey, do these things, okay? Don't judge. Don't do these things just out of love, okay? All things are lawful, but they're not expedient. And then he goes on. Let's finish this up in verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. And Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So really, Antioch's the first stop on this good news tour, okay? That's what I'm loving about the book of Acts. These guys just keep going out, keep preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Churches are getting started. A lot of great stuff. But did you guys catch what's going on? There's joy, encouragement, exhortation, strength being given to the brethren, to these churches. And that's my prayer for us as we gather together that there would be joy, encouragement, exhortation, and strength found when we come together. That's what should be happening as we're looking to the Lord together. So, I want to share a quote with you guys by Augustine. He was a third century dude. Uh, He said, In the essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, Charity. I agree with him on that. I think that's good. So that's how the early church handled it here, right? The essential, hearts are purified by faith, not by works, right? Verse 9, we see that. That's the essential thing. That's what matters. Now some of you guys might be like, okay, Landon, I know you got a beef with some people that teach contrary to that. Yeah, because it's an essential If you're perverting the gospel and teaching any other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ and him alone, we're going to have words. We're going to have issues. Okay? That's an essential thing. Okay? And the unity should be found in the essentials. You guys know I love getting together with other believers, others of different denominations. But you know where we find our fellowship? Where we're able to connect? It's because it's in the essentials. We believe the gospel that is laid out in Scripture. Also, um, verse 11, too, lays that out, one of the essentials. It's being saved by grace. So Peter would not compromise on this, and he called the church, hey, this needs to be an essential. Okay, So the apostle Peter, this is essential. Catholics, they like to look to Peter as the first pope. I don't know if you guys know that or not. The first pope. Okay? Catholics, page 29 of their catechism, it says there, they sign off on this, okay? You are saved by good works. It is in the Catholic catechism. It's there. They sign off on it. This is a belief. Well, what we're studying here, what we know the scriptures to teach, that's contrary to the gospel. That's another gospel. So this is a passage I love to take my Catholic friends to. Hey, let's look to the first pope together. (laughs) What did Pope Peter say? Well, Pope Peter said this is the essential. It's faith. It's grace alone. 
period. This good work stuff, it needs to end. Because if you think you're getting to heaven because you're a part of this church and you did good works, you're going to be very sorry one day. And hell sucks. The only way to heaven is through Christ. God himself said that. Period. Anyways, getting sidetracked. You guys understand what the essentials are, though. Okay? It's what the Bible lays out. The gospel clarity. So handing the essentials with unity. Okay? Very important. Also, non-essentials, we saw that in verse 20 and 29, and then charity in verse 31 here. So that's how I believe the church in 2017 should handle it also. So handling the essentials with unity, okay? How many of you guys have heard of the emerging church? Emerging church, okay? Um, it's gained a lot of steam in recent years. Um, which, by its very name, is really difficult to uh, uh, define. Why? Because it's emerging. It's growing into something. Um, so what started, I believe, innocently has really uh, developed into a monster. It started with a group of Christian pastors having conversations about our culture, the church's relevance in our day and age, ways to reach the lost, and the critique on what the church is doing wrong. But shortly after they started this group, and those are good things. I get together with pastors, and we talk and pray about those things regularly. But the emerging church movement has really shifted gears, okay? And they began to have conversations like, is the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures really of God? Okay? Asking, did Jesus really mean what he said? Is all scripture really God's word? And many who were participating in the discussion ran away very fast from that. And then out of that uh, developed the emergent village. Thus, since that group has turned from holding to the essentials of the Christian faith, we must stand in unity against those who do not hold to the basic tenets of the Christian faith. You see, we here at Freedom Fellowship believe in the old and New Testament to be plenary, to be full, to be complete, verbally inspired by God, or God-breathed, right? 2 Timothy 3.16, okay? Inerit, um, incapable of mistakes in the original writings, and supreme and final authority in faith and life. Okay, we believe those things. You can look on our website. This is what we believe. And you're going to look at everything we believe lines up with scripture. <laughs> There's no tradition connected to it. There's no, hey, this is what the elders of Freedom Fellowship think. No, we believe this because the Bible teaches it. Pretty simple. So we need to handle uh, the essentials with unity, and then we need to be handling the non-essentials with what? Liberty, with freedom, okay? What I don't like are those with the spirit of the Salem witch trials those who are lumping people into every movement that have nothing to do with it, or maybe they were originally a part of it, but have left it. My heart is grieved by those who have gone on witch hunts against many of our brothers and sisters in Christ um, who do things a little bit different than we might. So my heart with the non-essentials is liberty. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Okay, so do we change the message? No, never, okay? Do we change the method? Sure, that's okay. 
So if we're not allowed to change methods, then congregations, uh, we're still going to be doing church in Latin, <laughs> right? No congregational singing, um, and uh, we aren't allowed to have our own Bibles. <laughs> That's the way, aren't you guys glad methods have changed a little bit? Absolutely, absolutely. So I know of no man that I agree with 100%. No man, when it comes to Scripture, I'm thinking specifically about pastors or commentators. You know, Barclay, what he has to say about miracles, I don't agree with him. Uh, Stott on hell, mystics like Tozer or Brother Lawrence, uh, Frank Labach, um, John MacArthur on the gifts, uh, Finney, he, he, he preached a man-centered gospel. Um, you guys know I love Spurgeon, but he didn't believe in the reconciliation um, or restoration of, uh, of a pastor once he had fallen or messed up. Uh, Piper Keller, they're Calvinists. Um, some of you guys know Raul Reese on the radio, very thick uh, accent, love the guy. But he's got a weird partial rapture theory. <laughs> It's just goofy to me. Uh, Chuck Smith, um, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College. You guys know a little bit of the history with Chuck Smith. Started Calvary Chapel uh, almost 40 years ago or whatever. Um, but he preached that in 1981 that Jesus was going to return. <laughs> really, bro? <laughs> What's going on? Um, so there's things. Like uh, even me, you know, I used to believe that you could be left behind when the Lord comes as a believer. Um, and I'm glad that's not true. <laughs> but there's things that uh, you'll see. So, but the thing is, guys, all of these men, I love learning from all of them. Well, not Finney, but the rest of those guys I just <laughs> I, I've learned from him. And I read Charles Finney someday. He believed that the Christian could be perfect in this life, very truly legalistic. But he was, had a lot of neat stuff to say about the Holy Spirit. And I grew a lot in my understanding of the Holy Spirit through reading Finney. So there are things from these guys that are good and we can learn from. So I will read and study any man and match it with God's holy writ to see if the things they say are right. Okay? So I do understand that I must be careful what I recommend. And that's where I would encourage you guys. What do you recommend to others? But just up front, if you recommend someone, it doesn't mean that I must now hold to everything that that individual believes and holds to. That's one thing I really frustrate. You read who? <laughs> Are you a Calvinist now? No! You know, I just read a book, you know? And when did that start, that type of thinking, associating that? It's just weird. Anyways, Paul didn't, you know, he quoted the Greek poets, right? Epamphroditus and Artidus, Right? Okay, well, does that make him weird? <laughs> Is he now off? No, okay. So my heart on other pastors and their ministries, I praise God for them. You know, look at all the things God's doing. Maybe they're not doing it the way I've been convicted to do ministry or what I see in scripture in way we should do ministry or methodologies and stuff, but praise God for them. People are getting saved. Good things are happening. Christ is being preached, right? Amen. So, um, Rick Warren, I think he's a very loving, very caring, very giving man, okay? I was told as a young pastor to have nothing to do with Bill Hybels. I already read some of his books, though. <laughs> I 
And all I knew about Bill Hybels is he had a heart for the lost. He has a huge heart for people who don't know Jesus. He just wants people to know Jesus. That's why he does things a little differently than other pastors. And tons of people have gotten saved through their ministry. Praise God for it. John MacArthur said this, one of the surest measures of, the Christian, of Christian's maturity is what it takes to rob him of his joy. Guys, I've been robbed, and I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. You see, I'm not going to go back to being prideful, arrogant, pharisaical pastor that I was. And I'm hoping to grow in grace, <laughs> to be more like Jesus to grasp what the scriptures say. I'm going to show grace to these men by finding areas that I can illuminate them rather than finding areas where I disagree. So I do not think I or we in general here at Freedom have the corner on the gospel market. Oh, we got it right. Everybody needs to come here. <laughs> I don't think that. I don't think we think that either. And I don't need to or feel like the need to shoot down other ministries. Okay. especially when we hold the essentials together. So, the last thing is handling all things with charity. Let's flip to Philippians chapter 1, and we'll wrap up with this. Philippians chapter 1. Let's look at verses 15 to 18 here. I've always really appreciated that Paul inserted this into this letter. It's brought a lot of balance to me personally over the years. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but later out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. In this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Christ is preached, guys. You might not like that guy, especially that TV evangelist. <laughs> but hey, Christ is preached. Don't you guys love it when you hear people just preaching the gospel. Man, you need Jesus. You need to turn to him today. You need to believe. I love it. I love it. Wesley and Whitfield were very popular back in the day. They led thousands to Christ in their day, but they were very conflicting in their theology. Okay? Um, you can go back and look online. There were newspaper articles that were being written <laughs> about these guys and what they believed and different things. Anyways, Mrs. Wesley, okay? Do you guys know that our wives are a blessing full of wisdom? Yeah, I loved it because she was willing to speak into her husband's life and she just asked him, asked him a simple question. One day she asked her husband, do you think that you will see Whitfield in heaven? He responded, No. She said, so he's not a converted man? Yes, of course he is. I just believe he will be so near the throne of God that I won't be able to see him. <laughs> I love that, guys. I love that. 
You guys know I'm not into Reformed theology. I think it's a bad gospel. But let me tell you what, my Reformed brothers and sisters, they're part of the body of Christ. They believe in Jesus Christ. They love the Lord. They're doing great things for the kingdom. Okay? You guys know I'm a stickler for truth. If I don't see things in Scripture or people twisting it, I'm going to say something about it. But we need to understand, guys, that what matters is does a person believe in Jesus Christ? That's what matters. How that happens, I think the scriptures are clear. Some people don't. It might be a huge mystery. All we should care about is doing what God's asked us to do. And he's asked us to go preach the good news to all people. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. They need to hear, guys. We need to preach it. And we need to we need to pray because we're living in crazy times. So I encourage you guys to seek to be biblically faithful and culturally fruitful. I can't do that. Yeah. God's leading you to do it. Go for it. The brother who goes into bars to witness, I've never told him, you shouldn't be doing that, bro. God's calling you to you. If he's leading you, do it. You might stumble some people. That's not good. But hey, we got to do what God's asking us to do, and it might look different than what we're used to. Okay, and let me tell you what. People don't come to church to hear the gospel. I wish people would walk through. We got open chairs today. We have some families gone camping or at Life Fest. We have open chairs. Wouldn't it be awesome if people who don't own Jesus just walked into church today? Hey, I'm here to find out what I must do to be saved. That would be awesome. But are people doing that? No. They're not going to come here to hear the truth. That's why God's called us to go, didn't he? Okay? He never said build buildings to hold services. He said, hey, you're the church, you're the body. I want you to go. Go. Love on people. Preach the gospel. Feed the poor. Give people diapers. <laughs> That's what he's asked us to do, guys. And we do that in the name of Christ for his glory. So we must be about his world, word and the world. We must hold to the timeless truths and timely methods so we contend for the faith and we contextualize our faith. Become all things to all men. So in the essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, always persevere. Love never fails. And Father in heaven, we are thankful, Jesus, that you are love. <laughs> you did it. You walked it, you lived it, you taught it. And you're asking us to follow you to do the same. So we humbly ask this morning, Heavenly Father, that you'd, by your Holy Spirit, give to us, Lord, the fruits of the Spirit that we would love. That we would love all, because you love all. And you're a giver. God, so love the world that you gave. Lord, help us to be the same. Help us to be like you, Dad. To love well. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Stand to our feet.
So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Amen.